we read from John 19, you'll hear from the heels of our Lord's word to his mother, uh, the fifth saying we've already considered together. And then the saying that we take up tonight is found in verse 30. But I'll begin reading at verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Jesus had received the sour wine. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the word of God. Amen. Seek God's blessing on his word. As we meditate, Lord Jesus, on this word so full of significance, not just for you, but for us both, you and we so believed the sound of these words. We thank you for what we're about to partake of grace of the word preached. Give us much of that tonight, even as we come prepared. Remember your death at the table. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you'll recall that thanks to four gospel accounts that all focus very much on these hours of our Lord's life, we've been able to overhear, as it were, listen in on the words that he spoke from the cross as he died. Just to remind you, his first three words were all about ministry to others. He said to his father, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He said to one who was crucified beside him, Today you'll be with me in paradise. He said to his mother, standing by the cross, Woman, Hold your son. Then the time came when ministry to others was consumed, displaced, I should say, by the all-consuming consciousness of what he was enduring. He saw that word. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Last time we saw the word... I thirst, that John records for us as well. Tonight we come to the sixth word. If John's gospel were all he had, we'd think it was the final word, but comparing John and Luke, we know there's one more thing that he says after this one. It's the seventh word we'll come to next week. I want you to remember how John has introduced these two sayings for us in the text that's before us. Verse 28, he said, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. So we had already considered, what did it mean that he was mindful in that moment that all was now finished? We are seeing 
a sense of accomplishment entering into our Lord's soul as reflected in these last words. And we saw last time Jesus did not seek relief for his thirst until he knew all was finished. We saw in that the hellish ordeal, those last three hours, where he was suffering the wrath of God in our place. When he has the sense that that has passed, well, it's only then that he asks for that drop of water, that drink, such as it was. So, uh, with this consciousness now having settled upon him, something about his work being finished, our Lord is prepared to die. He's prepared to give up his life, to surrender himself to death, to bring an end finally to the whole ordeal, but not before he says what we're looking at today. It's a triumphant word. And it's actually literally just one word. The expression that we have as the sixth saying in our English is in the Greek. Just one word our Lord says, tetelestai. It is finished. Let's meditate on that by first thinking about what was finished. What is he referring to that was finished? And then we'll look at how good that was for him, how good that is for us. So what was finished? What is the it? It is finished, Jesus says. Uh, Let me start by just observing what isn't meant by those words of our Lord. And by narrowing it down, I think you'll have even more blessing to derive from the words. Jesus is not saying when he says it is finished that all of his work as the Savior of sinners was completed. That's not what he's speaking to. If that may come, if that comes at any surprise to you, I think it'll only take a moment for me uh, to remind you of things that remain yet undone that are part of our salvation. For example, he has yet to die. He has yet to rise again. These must be done in order for us to be saved. He's yet to send the Spirit from the right hand of the Father as he ascends to the throne of heaven. He is yet to by that spirit, renew the hearts of all the elect throughout all the earth. He continues to do that now from the right hand of the Father. For that matter, from the right hand of the Father, he continues to intercede for us, pray for us. He will one day come again and in a consummating way bring us salvation in that final judgment. So our Lord had yet a great deal to do as our Savior when he said, it is finished, so let's not over state what our Lord is saying. Some of good intentions uh, done that. Sometimes you might hear someone say, you and I were saved actually 2,000 years ago. I know what you're trying to say. I know what you're trying to say. Actually, we'll be talking about the sense in which that's true. But, oh, there's so much more uh, that was to come after this moment on the cross that our Savior does to save us. We're going to be talking about the difference between our redemption being accomplished at the cross and applied ever since by the Savior to us through his Spirit. So when Jesus says it is finished, he's not announcing his retirement from work 
as a savior. There's a very real sense in which bringing redemption to the world is only now beginning. We love actually to think about that. But where, what was he saying? What was finished? Two things to draw your attention to. First is that Jesus is mindful that his suffering, the wrath of God in our place, is finished. So you know that's what Jesus has been commissioned by the Father to do. He's been called to bear in our place the wrath of God due to us for our sin. And he has been, oh, we've tried and failed to imagine it. He's been enduring there on the cross the suffering of God's holy anger. We call that propitiation. He has taken to himself the wrath that we deserved. And that's the foundation of all our redemption, God's wrath being satisfied by our substitute on the cross. But our Lord is conscious that the wrath of God has passed. I submit to you that that's what explains the difference, for example, between the fourth word and the final word. The fourth word was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's his cry of dereliction in the midst of all of God's wrath being poured out upon him. But as we'll see next week, the very last thing he says Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He was crying out to his God who had forsaken him, the words of David, of course, on his lips, and now he's with full trust and confidence in his Father, entrusting his spirit to him. This transition, this change, is because our Lord is sensitive, sensible of the passing of God's wrath. Can you imagine the relief? His work of bearing God's wrath in your place is finished. That's first and most profoundly. But more broadly, I think it's right to see in what our Lord is saying. The awareness that a whole life of humiliation and suffering was finished. Or if I may, or all but. So when our Lord says it is finished, it would be faithful to the way Jesus has already spoken in John's gospel, for example, to understand that he is thinking of what he's about to do, which is to die and to be buried. This is just at hand, and he's taking that up in that expression. And we know that he would speak this way because, for example, he listened in on his prayer to the Father in John 17, and he said to his Father, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished, or you could say having finished the work that you gave me to do. Uh, Jesus says that on the eve of his betrayal and arrest and all that, and it's very clear what he's doing. He's saying, I've come to it. It's about, it's upon me. It's, it's about, and I have been faithful. And I've finished. He's anticipating what's about to happen and he's including that. 
and what is finished. Jesus, even more so on the cross, those last moments of life, can speak fairly of his cross work as, as good as done. And he's mindful that he has spent a whole life preparing for that work. We know this about our Lord. We know how often the cross comes to his lips in his conversations with those around him, making it clear that it's so often on his mind. Remember the conversation with Nicodemus where the expression, the lifting up of the Son of Man comes as he speaks with Nicodemus. He's thoughtful of what awaits him, even that early in his ministry, or with James and John who were rivals uh, for a place of prominence among his disciples. And he says, can you drink the cup that I must drink? It's on his mind. Most recently, of course, with all the disciples, he has to say, I'm about to suffer many things and be killed. And so years, and particularly in recent months, this has been his ever-present mindfulness that all of his humiliation as Messiah, all of his sufferings are going to come to this great crescendo very soon. That suffering servant work that Isaiah foretold, the whole of it is now finished. So that certainly must have been what our Savior is thinking of when he says, Tetelestai, it is finished. Let's think now about how good that was for our Savior. Imagine again the sense of relief that would come with that statement. Think of how slowly time would have passed for him with this, as we say it, hanging over him. Think of the Hours on the cross when the sky is darkened, the the sun is not shining, when he's staggering, as it were, under this load of God's wrath. And now he's conscious that suddenly it's gone. God's favor is holy in its felt sense, restored to him. His wrath is turned aside. Can you enter into that? Out of your love for the Savior, this moment for him, can you, does it make your heart jump to think about what that moment coming to him on the cross would have meant for him? A.W. Pink says it this way, now the suffering is ended. That from which his holy soul shrank is over. The Lord has bruised him. Man and devil have done their worst. The cup has been drained. The awful storm of God's wrath has spent itself. The darkness is ended. The sword of divine justice is sheathed. The cross has been endured. Never again shall he experience pain. Never again shall he be in the hands of Satan. Never again shall the light of God's countenance be hidden from him. Pink adds, blessed be God. All that is finished. We're entering into the sense of relief that our Savior had in that moment Enter into the sense of accomplishment that he would have had as he said, it is finished. This being the culmination of a whole life of obedience as the scripture teaches us to think of it. Uh, If Paul could say at the end of his life, I have run 
the race, finish the course. So much more our Savior. As he comes to that final act of obedience, submitting himself to the hell of death on the cross. It was a test for him. It was the test that he had to pass in order to be our Savior. And it was a sore test indeed. But he finished the test. He passed the test. He perfectly fulfills all the Father had given him to do. So we're able to praise him for all that he accomplished as he expresses it, tetelestai. It is finished. My work is done. The work of bearing the burden of sin here on this cross. Again, pink, may I? The mission upon which God has sent his son into the world was now accomplished. It was not actually finished till he breathed his last, but death was only an instant ahead. And in anticipation of it, he cries, it is finished. The difficult work is done. That for which he had left heaven's glory, that for which he had taken upon him the form of a servant, that for which he had remained on earth for 33 years to do, is now consummated. Nothing remains to be added. Glorious indeed for him. Good indeed for him. I'll return to that in just a moment. Think with me lastly tonight about how good these words are for those who are saved by this cross of Christ. There is so much sweet encouragement. In one word, it means first for you and me, for the wrath of God towards us has been wholly removed. That's good for you. Nothing in the heart of God remains towards you who are in Christ, crucified in our behalf, but the love of a father and a friend. As one of the Puritans put it, because of what Christ has done, applied to us by the Spirit, God has thoughts of love to us in everything he does. You say, but doesn't he get upset with us? When we're bad, yes, he does. Like your daddy who loves you does. (laughs) Even his displeasure, even his anger is the anger of love. It's a world of difference between that and what the damned in hell forever will receive from him in all justice. God's heart in all All that he does for you is for you, not against you. If you're in this crucified Savior, he's done everything necessary to put his wrath for your sin away. Because the Savior has borne it. I wonder this evening if you know the experience of sort of coming upon your own sin in a new and dreadful way. Life will bring circumstances like that when you realize all of a sudden, oh, I'm so much more dreadful 
so much more morally repulsive, even still, than I thought I was. Well, there's mercy in those moments, but they also call for a certain kind of confidence that's rooted in this word that Jesus says to the cross. It is finished. You need to know in those moments of true self-awareness that God has known of that from the beginning. That that which is so repulsive to you is, yes, so much more repulsive to him, but he's already taken care of it. He's already poured out his revulsion against that sin and his son there at the cross so that no one perishes for being a great sinner and perish for being an impenitent sinner. And so as you repent in fresh ways, as you turn to God with hope afresh that he will receive you, tetelestai, to comfort. The wrath of God against you has been fully satisfied. A second thing that is of such goodness for us, we'll be remembering as we come to the table tonight, is that the price of redemption has been fully paid. That too is good for you. You know from looking at Christ and the cross, forgiveness of sin is a gift, yes, but it's not a free gift in that it costs nothing. It's free to you and it costs everything for Christ. And so, someone else has paid for that gift. Your comfort is that Christ with his agonies, truly an unspeakable price, has fully the gift that God freely gives you. So not only do we not need to offer him our good deeds in order to gain his forgiveness, we dare not. We dare not. Christ paid it all, as we like to sing. Or another hymn writer puts it, Thy pains, not mine, O Christ, Upon the shameful tree have paid the law's full price and purchased peace for me. Thy cross, not mine, O Christ, has borne the awful load of sins that none in heaven or earth could bear but God. Your offering to God is gratitude for his free gift. You are in the wake of the cross, like the Israelites, having passed through the Red Sea and realizing that it's all been finished. That great judgment upon your enemy, it's taken place there at Calvary. Can I detain you for one other thing that is so very good, testified to by our Lord's words? Good for us. And that's this. All that remains of our salvation to come is made fully certain by this word. So I have been speaking of how there is much left to be done in the saving work of Christ in our hearts, in our world. He's busy to this day as Savior 
here's the genius of the Christian faith. All that he accomplished in his death and resurrection will certainly be applied in time to every sinner for whom Jesus died. Think of it. There'll be no one paying the price of his own sins in hell whose sins were paid for by Christ. It won't happen. There'll be no wrath of God falling upon sinners who are found in Christ before that wrath. For all those for whom Christ died, the Spirit will certainly deliver the full benefits of his death. The Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ, will not fail to secure faith in every single one of the elect, to preserve uh, graces in those elect, and to complete his work on the last day. Here's how a true Puritan puts it, John Flavel. Says, did Christ finish his work for us? Then there can be no doubt, but he will also finish his work in us. Indeed, the finishing of his own work of redemption without us gives full evidence that he will finish his work of sanctification within us. The work he finished by his own death, resurrection, and ascension would be in vain to us if the work of sanctification in us should not in like manner be finished. Therefore, he presented a perfect sacrifice to God, so will he present every man perfect and complete, whom he offered up himself, for he will not lose the end of all his sufferings at last. The writer of Hebrews speaks of Christ as the author and finisher our faith. And Christ says from the cross, it is finished. That work of atonement was the basis of our salvation being complete. He's also making clear to our believing hearts that it will all be applied in God's time to all of the elect. So, brothers and sisters, This is why it's appropriate for us to do what we do every Sunday night, which is to observe a celebration of our Lord's cross work. It's a strange thing, I'm sure, for people looking in to Christian liturgy and practice. You celebrate the death of the one you love? Yes, because of what he said from the cross, it is finished. We're celebrating the accomplishment of our Savior on the cross, that there's no unfinished business there at the cross. Just like we're tragically helpless watching Adam in Genesis 3 fall into sin and us fall with him, we are blessedly helpless as we watch Jesus on the cross delivering us from sin and misery. Remember the story of the wedding feast in Luke 14, the invitation, come for all things are now ready. You can imagine we want 
someone responding, as it's a customary thing to do among us, I'd love to come, may I bring anything? What's the right answer to that question? No. The master has provided it all. Brothers and sisters, it's my privilege again to invite you to come to the table with joy. Yes, the table reminds you of the agonies of your Savior dying in your place. But you can come with joy because of what he said before he died. It is finished. Amen.